Hello, good evening, and welcome. I'm Simon Bestwick. And I'm Gemma Files, and this, of course, is No Darkness But Ours. This is the fourth and final part of our deep dive into Near Dark, Catherine Bigelow's 80s vampire classic, and the first of three collaborations with screenwriter Eric Redd. You'll find links to parts one, two, and three in the description below. You know, there is a kind of darkness that I can immerse myself in, and it's all right. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, and I can, I can lean into the fetish. I can lean into the thing that fascinates me and horrifies me at the same time. You know, it's like, yes, yeah, and then there's Catherine and <laughs> there's, there's Kath, Catherine and Eric Red going, Oh, yeah, lean in, lean in, Catherine. Come on, lean in. You know? <laughs> we all float down here, Gemma. Yeah, you know, why you like the things you like. You know what I like? I like seeing two guys beat each other up. You, really like, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of the things when, when you realize that. A lot of certainly, certainly for me over the last few years as a writer, a big part of it has been kind of like you know, sort of, you know, I, I'm not going to, I'm, 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 I'm stop, I'm not going to, I'm just going to stop, I'm stopping comparing myself to other people. I'm stopping, uh, you know, Graham Masterson wouldn't do this, Ramsey Campbell wouldn't do this, you know, none, none yeah. of them, and you know. I have a bit of a gun fetish, as several people have pointed out. I have to reading Rothschild um, and uh, things like that. It's like, okay, you know what? I have a fascination with it, and there's, there's a, you know, because uh, yes, on one level, I know guns kill people, um, yes. and a gunshot wound is a horrible thing, and you know, and, and and all the rest of it. At the same time, I can't deny uh, the aesthetic appeal of action films. I can't deny the fascination of that, that yeah. are going to for me, whether I like it or not. And it's obviously not just me because, you know, a, the human species seems to spend a, a, a large number of member of its members spend an awful lot of times firing the fucking things at one another or, you know, finding other other substitutes for, for, for doing that. You know, yeah, and, like, and there's, you know, something similar to be said for the idea that uh, a sexy person always looks sexier covered in blood, you know beaten up and covered in blood and uh, you know either they're covered in the blood of their enemies or they're you know it's like it's it's it's, it's like watching uh charlize theron um you know kill people and get the crap beaten out of her at the same time the entire time during the running the runtime of atomic blonde right <laughs> like, oh my god how many bruises do you have you know Yes, apparently a number of people commented on how many scripts from Blake Seven were eventually basically what they called beat up and rape Avon or beat beat up and rape. Not not that there was any actual literal, but you know, sort of like mind the, rape. The, <laughs> yeah, being sort of captured, battered, and tied up in a state of disarray with a maybe a mm -hmm. decorous smudge of blood on the t on the t uh, you know on the hairline or whatever. Yeah, uh, absolutely, and you know, and and the the thing that certainly the. Um, no, actually, both of them. Both of them uh, are constantly playing with in the stuff that they write, direct, um, and produce generally. Both Bigelow and Eric Red are constantly playing with the problem, the, the innate problem of American culture, 
is the violence looks really cool. Yeah. But it's violence, you know, and it will fuck you up. And, you know, um, no matter what reason you think you have for doing these things, you cannot escape the fact that you are playing with not only with your you you're playing you are you are sort of playing with your own sense of mortality by destroying other people <laughs> you know and um i i am can you know it's like a movie that i would love to do a deep dive on is of course strange days um i haven't seen that it's one of the favorite oh you've got to see strange days man you have got to see Strange Days, which is definitely in some ways a horror film, um, you know, and more, you know, like earlier than a lot of, than a, a lot of other narratives that I, in, in this culture um, that, that I can remember um, was, you know, just jumped into the thing of, okay, if we make something which allows us to experience other people's memories very quickly it's not going to be my my memory of a beautiful sunset you know my memory of that time that i you know surfed down a waterfall you know it's going to be the it's going to be snuff and porn and and rape porn and you know it's going to be you know, how can I sample somebody's death without actually dying? How can I, you know, uh, how can I have really violent fetishistic sex with somebody um, and experience what they're experiencing as I'm doing it to them? Wow. You know, um, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's essentially a noir, but it's also a, about millennialism because it's set in on New Year's Eve 1999 and it was made like uh, four years before that I think. Wow. Um, and, many big jumps in technology then. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, they were expecting very big big jumps in technology the way that uh, you know futurism usually does. <laughs> I mean of course you have to sort of so that's, yes, I mean, it's, yeah. ultimately it's always just it's always but just. I, a, I remember when it came out you know people were all like contorting themselves into this thing of why would you as a woman make this film in which terrible things happen to women you know why would you as a woman make this film which is full of sexual violence against women and i'm just sort of like why would you not <laughs> you know? it's like, I I, use the word use the to use the phrase internalized misogyny oh, yeah. <laughs> no yes 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 they absolutely did and and there's you know and there's always been this thing with Catherine bigelow where it's like, oh, you like to play with the boys. You like to play with boys' toys. You know, you don't want to make movies about women. <laughs> it's like, Zero Dark Thirty is about a woman. I'm sorry you don't like her. She probably, I don't like her much myself, and she probably doesn't like her herself much. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and Blue Steel is a story yeah, about Blue a woman. Blue Steel is absolutely about a woman, but again, Blue Steel is taking straight on this cultural thing, particularly at the time where it's like, you know, you cannot dismantle the master's house with the tools of the master, you know, and therefore violence is not something you can use against violence, particularly as a woman, 
you know, you cannot counter sexual violence with sexual violence. You cannot counter fetishism with fetishism. You cannot, you cannot be that person who's like, you know, when somebody says, well, why did you become a cop anyways? Says, well, I like that I can shoot guys and uh, get away with it. <laughs> you know, and, and at the time, I remember that a lot of the criticism of Blue Steel was sort of like, that's such a guy, that's such a guy line, a woman would never say that. And I'm like, I don't think you understand what being a woman is like, and I understand that, but, mm. you know, no, why would you, it's like, we, we see it, we see it very much today, you know, where it's, where it becomes like, you know, blue trumps everything else, right? Yeah. Blue trumps vagina, blue trumps brown, blue trumps whatever, you know, it's like, once you get to be a cop, you are a cop first. Yeah. And everything right. else falls right. by the wayside. You know, and we can have an argument about propaganda or whatever, you know, we can have. But that particular thing, again, Blue Steel is playing with a lot of that much earlier than anybody else was playing with it. And basically saying, yes, I come from an abusive background. I watched my father beat my mother up all the time. And you're telling me that there that there's something wrong with me because a part of me is like, you know what? That's never going to happen to me because I'm going to become a cop. I'm going to have a gun. I'm going to, I'm going to learn to have power in this world. Yeah. And I will have power because I have a uniform and a gun and the right to shoot you and get away with it. Yeah, because I mean, she she gives a few answers to the question why you become a cop, but mm -hmm. the, the 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 final one she gives is when Clancy Brown asks her, and he just she just says him. Yeah. And she could be talking about Ron Silver, she could be talking about her father, or she could just be talking about both of them and some kind and a kind of yeah, and and patriarchy, and you know, uh, and a system where you know, if 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 power can be given to you, if you can take power. If you can, you know, if somebody says, you know, if you just go through this series of training exercises and you give up this and you do that, I will give you power. I will give you the power, potentially the power of a man. Because Colonel Colt made all men equal, son. <laughs> oh, that's Western in this case. but uh... <laughs> Yeah, but you know what I mean? You, you, that's oh, exactly yeah. what that's about. That's exactly what that's about. You know, it's like, I ain't going to have a damn fist fight with him. You know, Blows I'm going to shoot that dude. <laughs> you know? um, and, you know, and, and this and this then opens up into um, examination of uh, female terrorists, examination of female soldiers. And, you know, there's there's an amazing book that I read, uh, I think, in the beginning of the nine the 1990s called uh, shoot the women first, which is about female terrorists. Yeah, because the they gave to anti-terrorist squads because the women would feel they had to prove themselves yes. that more, so they would be yeah. more aggressive. More and better yet, the guys will give up and the women won't. Yeah, because because they know what might happen to them afterwards. They will just keep going. They would yeah. rather get killed. So, yeah, schism damen forste. 
So, yeah, you know, it's like there's a lot of that. And and so throughout her career, um, it's been you want to be a guy. You want to play with the guy's toys. You know, you only want to talk about men doing manly men stuff. And I'm like, you can see it like that. But I really think that she is she she is an American who is female. And she lives in in a highly oversexed, hyper-violent, hyper-vigilant, traumatized culture. Yeah. And long before anybody else was inquiring into this shit, she was inquiring into it. And because she was making genre films, you were like, oh, the silly little genre films. Oh. You know. But fuck you, because that's... You know, that's why I like Catherine Bigelow. Um, I would really like it if they let her make a film more often than once every, you know, six to ten years. That was, <laughs> you know, it's like, I mean, again, it's like, you know, it's like, well, we gave you a we gave you an Oscar, <laughs> you know, and you know, and then you made Zero Dark, Th- Dark Thirty and then you made uh, which didn't make us feel good about the war on terror. You know, and, and then you and then you made Detroit, which made nobody feel good about anybody, anything, because <laughs> you know? it came out like the, pretty much into the George Floyd era. <laughs> and it's kind of it's interesting, of course, in Near Dark. Her, I mean, you got you got you got her with her preoccupations and obsessions, and they intersect yeah. with Eric Red's uh, preoccupations and obsessions. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I can see more of the parallel. I mean, I can see more of the common ground uh, with between uh, Blue Steel and The Hitcher in some yeah. ways than with seeing where Near Dark clicks into it is more of a is a little harder to see for me. But you could with the the Hitcher there is, I mean, because in, in the Hitcher and Blue Steel, it's very much this this duel played out between the two. Between well, the yeah, two it's, it's it's about you know, are you going to be a predator or are you going to be a victim? Um, yeah. And and also, it's like about who's on top as well, yeah. you know. And and the more, and the more on top the person who should usually be on the bottom becomes, the more the person who sh- who expects to be on top starts to really buy into that person, you know. And with yeah. you know, and with Ryder, it's like, oh, maybe you're the one. Maybe you're the one who's going to kill me. That would be great. And you know, meanwhile, with you know, in Blue Steel, it's like, I would. I would love to be killed by you. You know, it's like yeah. from the very beginning. And she's like, I, what the fuck is this? You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, annihilate me. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, uh, annihilate me. You know, it's like, yeah, but I'm not doing it because it's going to make your dick hard, man. You know? <laughs> <laughs> which is, which is a whole other, you know, box of, it, it, it appears to be a whole other box of worms, but at the same time, maybe it isn't. Because, again, it's like, um, you know, the the core of vampirism is always, you know, I will rape you with my mouth and I will make you like it. I will turn you into somebody like me um, or I will just, you know, it's like my orgasm will be your death. Yeah. yeah. And your orgasm will come at the time of death. You know, it's like, yeah. I will take everything from you. And and again, you know, think about think about um, Unforgiven, right? You know, you, you take uh, everything a man ever was and everything he'll ever be. You know, when you kill a man as an outlaw, when you 
kill a man for no reason, except somebody, you know, except, you know, you were drunk or somebody paid you to or whatever. There's no good reason and deserves got nothing to do with it, son. You know, and, and, and so all of these things come together and near dark is where they first come together. I do believe that, yes, you're right, that blue steel is more overtly, you know, like a conversational piece to the hitcher, but it's where the two of them intersect with each other. And they're sort of like, I like the way you think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they end up creating this thing, which. Oh, you know, it's like I, I've lived with um, much, much like <laughs> much like Dr. Lecter, you know, I, I have lived or or Thomas Harris, I guess, you know, I have lived with. Um, with Near Dark for longer than I've lived without it. And um, and it is so integral to the way that I feel about a lot of the things that move me. To a bigger house. No, <laughs> said the loud part quiet and the quiet part loud. You know, uh, <laughs> drive me the things that you know, the things that make me go shing. You know, um, because there's, there's something wrong with me. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> its fetishes intersect with my own, and I'm like, I like the way you think. I would like to subscribe to your newsletter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, in a lot of ways, I, I tend not to think about it very often because I've thought about it so much for so long, you know, that every part of it is familiar to me. Every part of it is. Oh, my God. The bar is. I possibly have that relationship a bit more with the Hitcher and, and with Blue Steel than with Near Dark, but I have again, I've lived with that story, that that film, yeah. like you, for many many year, years, and yeah, I I do love it. It's just it is one of it is just one of the great one of the great vampire films. It's as you say, it strips away so much of what is so so much of what is inessential, so much of the fluff. Um, it doesn't, you know, it it. it the religious aspect isn't there. The uh, you know yeah. so much of the trapping and the you know the, the, the wooden stakes, the garlic, all the rest of that hugger mugger. It is. It reframes it and it makes it fresh and it makes it new. And you know you you just don't understand having having lived with it as long as we have how new it was, mm. how fucking new it was to see vampires walking around in you know the world that we recognized as opposed to you know it's like well here we are we're going to transylvania yeah. <laughs> you know it's like i would never shit on any of those films right there's you know it's like i have an entire i have an entire folder of vampire films and i would watch any of those films at any time pretty much you know, yeah. but there was this real feeling that, you know, there was something that was essentially European, essentially Gothic, essentially, you know, um, essentially Hammer, essentially, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like bright, bright red blood that looks like paint and, you know, and the rules and, you know, I mean, the same way that some younger people feel like 
I saw, you know, Bram Stoker, you know, <laughs> Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula and my <laughs> eyes were opened. Well, for me, that was near dark. That was the, the, the one two punch of the hunger in your dark. Yeah. Was that for me? Completely, completely get that. Completely yeah. get that. Just an extraordinary film. Such a good film. Just such a good film. If you haven't seen it, see it. Why haven't you seen it? Just see it. Yeah, abs- absolutely. I think there's, there's definitely, definitely got to be said there. <laughs> you know, I, I, I just, you know, in a lot of ways, I don't know how you can call yourself a person who likes vampire films if you haven't seen Near Dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it really is one of the best, one of the best of the whole, best of that whole genre, uh, yes. best examples. Okay, is there anything else that you can think of that you want to say about about near dark um i understand that i am partial but i really do feel like near dark broke the mold in a lot of ways um and you know uh yeah eric red and uh, you know eric red and catherine bigelow stay together for like another film and then they sort of deviate and they go off in different directions. And, you know, Red stuff is, when he himself becomes a director, um, his stuff is kind of, <laughs> kind of like his writing, I guess. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, little over the top and lopsided and odd, but interesting, always very interesting. And, um, but, but Bigelow just goes from strength to strength. And, you know, and I really feel that without the two of them finding each other at that time, yeah, the stuff that she was doing immediately before that, the Loveless and the stuff that she did in film school, very academic and very analytical and very head driven. And, you know, it's not like she stops being analytical (laughs) or, or thinking very deeply about the stuff that she does, but she really begins to understand the the beauty of of leaning into your fetishes of interrogating why what makes you tick makes you tick and gets deeper and deeper and deeper into a a further interrogation of american culture yeah as a whole um you know uh so that's the final thing that i would say that you know um, this is a silly vampire film made by a woman who eventually went on to win um, an Academy Award and yeah. be like the second woman to win an Academy Award for directing. So, you know, there's a reason. There's a reason for that. And, you know, and you can see the thumbprints all over Near Dark of yeah. what will come. Um, and uh, and it's just uh, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. If you want, if you want to see a lot of people get killed, yeah, <laughs> and some snarky, some uh, a lot of a lot of snarky one-liners, <laughs> a lot of snarky one-liners, <laughs> some gloriously, gloriously, wonderfully demented performances from uh, Bill Paxton, especially uh, yes, as yeah. well as Lars Henriksen and Jeanette Goldstein. Oh yeah, you know, if you've only ever encountered Bill Paxton as an older man, holy shit, you need to see this film. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. So that's been our deep dive into Near Dark. So as I say, um, you can find 
more in-depth discussions of individual films like this um, on uh, the if you subscribe to our to our channel or subscribe or sign up to Patreon, uh, we've discussed the Argent Argentinian horror film Aterados. We've discussed uh, Ben Wheatley's In the Earth. We've discussed David Rudkin's extraordinary folk horror classic Pender's Fen, and we've discussed uh, Richard Stanley's uh, '90s horror masterpiece Dust Devil. And obviously, there will be there will be many more to come. Yes. Um, so, if you like the sound of if if you like what you've heard and you want more, then uh, there's that's that's one way to get your next fix of it. No Darkness But Ours is made possible through generous donations from horror enthusiasts just like you. If you'd like to support us, you can sign up to our Patreon and get access to exclusive content, or you can make a one-off donation via Ko-Fi. Links in the description below. If you enjoyed this episode, please let us know in the comments, share and subscribe, and don't forget to hit the like button if you're watching us on YouTube. Let us know as well if there's anything you'd really like to hear us talking about in the future, and we'll be back with more at the same time next week. So we will we will be back next week with more cool stuff. Um, and in the meantime, until then, I have been Simon Bestwick. And I remain Gemma Files, and this has of course been No Darkness, darkness. but ours. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Great minds think alike that. <laughs>